so now do you want to talk about um, Nikki Jemmel? Right, let's talk yeah. about Nikki Jemmel. Oh, wait, so right, ago. Yeah. The author of The Bride Strip Bear. So the author of a book named The Bride Strip Bear, for those of our international listeners who are not familiar, um, many, maybe two decades ago. So she wrote a opinion piece in uh, one of our national uh, newspapers last week um, and basically it was, um, in my opinion, a fairly vitriolic uh, diatribe against males as a whole. There was an awful lot of generalisations um, and it was around male that males should not be obstetrician gynaecologists and I think a direct quote was that males only become obstetrician gynaecologists because they hate women. There was also some fairly homophobic comments about uh, gay male um, gynaecologists and um, some information provided about percentages or numbers of female obstetrician gynaecologists that clearly had not been researched and was not factual because the comments were that there weren't any uh, or weren't enough when actually 83% of trainees in Australia and New Zealand are currently females and 50% of specialist obstetrician gynaecologists are females. Anything else you'd like to add about for the background, Tanya? So I think that I think that describes it pretty well. Yeah, um, and there was I mean there was there were some anecdotes of Nikki's own birth experience as well as um, a couple of other people, but there was. Um, so I think that I think that described it there pretty was, well. It wasn't placed in any particular measured or balanced space, and whilst it was absolutely an opinion piece, and it was clear it was an opinion piece, the facts, so-called facts within the article, were incorrect. Yeah, and I think she had an interesting um, couple of comments. One about one of because she was sort of saying, "Oh, this is not my view. This is the view of my sort of unnamed friends. These are sort of views that are in my circle." So she had one comment saying that um, a male gynaecologist was sort of too invasive, and I think examined roughly or did too much examining, like intimate gynae examinations. But then at the other side, she had another friend saying that she thought the male uh, obstetrician, I think should have examined her earlier than when she did. So it was this commentary about sort of too much examination versus not enough examination. And then towards the end, she said, well, this is my view and this is my sort of musings on the matter, you know, and she called for people to sort of say, well, what do you think? And it was interesting uh, watching the Twitter for a few days. There's quite a number of male and female uh, doctors, both um, obstetrician gynaecologists and other doctors and other healthcare professionals kind of having um, opinion. I think pretty much the commentary I read, most people were pretty unhappy with the tone of it. I certainly was pretty unhappy. I mean, I think, um, you know, my role, you know, I, I sort of see things when they're perhaps not going so well at two o'clock in the morning when people are really worried about life of mum and baby. You know, the, the the thing is, things get messy and um, I can't speak to those people's experiences. I mean, that's their truth and they're allowed it and that's, you know, I totally respect that. But I think to uh, say that, uh, to sort of intimate that men are somehow sort of perverts or there's something wrong with them, 
uh, when they're choosing that profession is just not right. It's not been my observation. I observe uh, – well, I've had three children and by male obstetricians. Yeah, my – uh, my yeah, my experience is that the their only concern was to keep me and the baby safe. And at work, all I've ever seen, I mean, I'm in the operating theatre, I have, you know, a small view of the whole obstetric and gynae situation, but all I've ever seen is people, you know, bust in their gut to try and make sure everyone's safe. That's my experience. And it's, you know, on Sundays at two in the morning, on Christmas Day, uh, in three countries, I've, I've genuinely, I, I couldn't tell you that there'd be a male obstetrician uh, that's, you know, wanting to cause anyone harm. Um, certainly harm occurs, absolutely it does, but um, it occurs for men and women and midwives and obstetricians. What, whatever we do, if we're looking after patients, there will be, um, you know, complications and side effects, but to sort of say, Oh, that you know, all men are somehow you know not suited. It's it's actually it does a disservice to not only the male doctors but also the female doctors because then you can quite rightly turn around and say, oh well, male urology that's not a job for a woman. And I have several female urology specialists who deal with men's urology and what they shouldn't work in men's urology. Um, it sort of it sort of goes on and on. I think it does. It does male doctors a disservice, it does female doctors a disservice, and it also does the patients a disservice because they start to think, oh, is there something wrong with you that you've decided to do obstetrics gynecology? And there was a very beautiful there was a very beautiful piece today by um, the obstetrician who decided to do it because his mother died in childbirth. Yeah. And that's why he dedicated his life to looking after women and their babies. Yeah. And I, mean, I think it's very moving. For me, that, that you know, I mean, for, for anyone who's seen that obviously triggered me quite significantly today, um, having read the three pieces um, that were um, published in response, um, I think it was, I was really pleased to see that um, there was a broad representation, that there was a relatively young um, <clears throat> uh, consultant, um, male consultant based in Melbourne, um, who had not intended to do obstetrics and gynaecology as a medical student and then did it um, and was in awe of uh, childbirth, which when people ask me, why did you do obstetric and gynaecology, and gynaecology, it's much the same. If you had asked me as a medical student prior to doing that term, I would have said, oh, can I skip that? I had zero interest in doing that. And that was in part because of my own birth story because I was born at 28 weeks. I'm a twin. My twin died. My mother had another set of twins at 27 weeks. Two years later, they died. My mother's story was horrendous. I grew up with that as a shadow and I really would have wanted nothing to do with obstetrics and gynecology prior to doing it as a term and then realising that this, you know, I guess traumatic story, which was part of my lived history, actually gave me a lot of insight into the experiences of women and families. Having, at, you know, never been pregnant, never given birth, never having had a stillbirth or a neonatal death. And one of the first deliveries I was at as a medical student was actually a twin delivery, which had complications. So I think we all have very individual stories. And that was what was pleasing to read today, as well as um, 
the Dr. Fernando story. Um, there was also the story of uh, a GP obstetrician and sonologist who's based in Wagga Wagga, and I thought it was great that there was um, that side um, demonstrated as well and someone who's in a regional area. And then Gregory McGrath's story, which is the one that you've just referred to, um, choosing a specialty in response to his mother dying in childbirth, giving birth to his sibling. And I think this has hit a nerve because we all choose, maybe people, particularly when we were 17 or 18, choosing it straight out of high school, there are people who, who were either have done it because they've gotten marks or because there was a particular family push but the vast majority of the time people have chosen to do medicine because they actually want to help and make a difference and certainly choosing a specialty and a specialty that takes six years of training and then ongoing if you're practicing obstetrics as you've said Christmas two o'clock in the morning Sundays missing out on family events um, and all sorts of things people don't continue in a demanding profession like that for any other reason other than to do good. No, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So I think making this in any way a gender issue is a major problem. And as someone who has been uh, very vocal and very loud about wanting gender equity at a leadership level at RANSCOG and within um, other areas of leadership within obstetrics and gynaecology, I was really distressed that this was made into a gender issue because it doesn't help anyone, as you've said. It doesn't help um, us improve um, diversity and inclusion. It it takes away from, in, in fact, what the real issue is. And I, I, I've had this discussion with a number of people. I had a discussion with multiple male colleagues, multiple female colleagues, midwives, nurses, clerical staff, um, patients have asked me about it in the past week. I have had discussions with family members um, and at the end of the day, the issue is that what I think was Nikki's intended message, um, and because I think the message has been lost, which is why I'm saying I think the intended message, is that there is an issue of power and there is an issue of, as you've said, some harm happening within the birth experience. And I think that that is real and that is problematic and we've we've all spoken about that a lot in different ways on Twitter and in other forums that we are human and we are not perfect and in particularly times of um, potentially crisis or when serious things are happening um, we can make mistakes and that includes tone of voice that includes how we interact as a team, that includes things we've talked about in terms of incivility and those sorts of things, and we must do better. We must provide woman-centred care in a, a women-centred, uh, in a women's specialty. Um, we must all work together to do that as a team. And making this about gender lost that message for me if that's what the intended message was. And it's certainly galvanized a profession to talk about it and so maybe that's one of the unintended benefits um, of it um, but equally I ha see that there could have been and have been many unintended con uh, problematic consequences to it. Yeah I mean I think I, a lot of the tweets were very much um, uh, male in fact there was one guy who's working in New Zealand now he's a male sort of GP obstetrician who had worked 
you know, for 20 years in, in obstetric practice and just said he felt so, you know, belittled and disappointed. Um, a number of gay doctors on Twitter had said, oh, so, you know, I'm I'm not welcome then because I'm a, a gay male working in women's health. It's very um, – it has been very damaging. It is interesting. Some people have the view, oh, well, this is what the men, this is what women doctors get all the time. So isn't it nice for men doctors to feel less? But I don't, I don't agree with that at all. I don't think it benefits, no. I don't think it benefits anybody. It's just rubbish. But I think, you know, what you say is correct there. Um, women's health is having a moment. I think that there has been plenty of harm done uh, in the past and ongoing, absolutely. Uh, I don't think you can say it's just a man thing. Uh, as is pointed out, you can have bad operators in every healthcare profession and of all genders and of all sexualities. The vast majority of people do really good work, but there are a few people who are genuinely not great. And then there are the rest of us who are just not perfect. You know, we, we work crazy hours. Sometimes we say inappropriate things. Um, and you're right, we need to do better. Yeah, and I think I, I, I don't know if, if part of the intention of the article and the tone was to encourage this discussion. Maybe that's the case. Um, maybe it was, you know, like you'd almost read it and go, is this so far to that point to, to get a reaction? Or, or, or the other, you know, my other concern is, was her personal experience that damaging that this is the tone that's coming out? And I think, you know, for me that, that, that as a clinician, that always worries me and alarms me. And, and as I said, you know, I have grown up in a household where my mother had several very traumatic experiences. And whilst the, the experiences in themselves were traumatic, the care she got around that was also a problem. Um, and, um, and so I'm aware of the ramifications of that and also the ripple effect and the generational trauma and how long that can last for. That's true. And it's that, true. Is, that is one, one of the reasons why it is so absolutely <clears throat> um, a core value of mine and one of the things that I am working very hard to do both as a clinician and as an educator to ensure that we do better. And I think that we... The other problem with this article is that people were so triggered by it that they, they just dismissed that message, which I, which I think is in there somewhere. But that's been completely dismissed and it's just now all about, well, you've, you've, you've tarnished all males and said that they shouldn't be obstetrician gynecologists. And that's all that people are talking about instead of potentially what is something that is far more important and, and something that really needs to be addressed. It's absolutely true, yeah. The danger of fake news and the danger of of not having a measured discussion and discourse. Yeah, and I really hope that that we can do that we can do justice to all these issues. Mm, it's true. I mean, I in my world, I see women come back for the second time, and some have had absolutely horrific experiences the first time, and it's um, you can just see they're just triggered by what happened last time. They're really frightened. So um, she is describing a, a real thing where women have been harmed and damaged and weren't part of the process, and we absolutely need to do better. But um, you're right, it was just a shame. It's just a shame it kind of came out that way. 
Yeah. Mm. Okay. Well, that's heavy stuff. That is. And hopefully we can move forward. Yeah. 